0: So, um, last week I was, I was listening to, um, a lecture given by, uh, this guy named Johan Hari, um, and it's his, actually his backstory is very interesting, but, uh, he wrote this book called Lost Connections about the way our understanding of depression has changed, um, over the years and and that it it needs to continue to change, and, um, he was talking about how previously, and, and this man had, had struggled with depression himself, and he had struggled with uh, kind of uh, drug addiction as well. And he had talked about how in the past, uh, the way that we understood depression was mostly biochemical. And so if you were clinically depressed, if you were diagnosed, you'd be given a pill. And that was mostly it. And the implicit message was, if you're feeling bad about something, if you're feeling bad about something in your life, or your emotions, like you feel like you can't control them, then something is wrong with your brain, right? Like something's happening in your brain. It's not related to anything in your life. It's not related to anything volitional. It's completely unrelated to what you choose to do or to think. Now, over time, that kind of understanding changed, right? Today, we have uh, scientific evidence for at least nine different causes of depression, anxiety, nine different kind of factors. And only two of them are related to biology, right? Seven of them are outside of your your genes. It's it's kind of the way you live. And there are tons of examples of this. But for example, if you spend a lot of time alone, uh, you're more likely to become depressed. If you, when you go to work, you have absolutely no control over your job, you're more likely to become depressed. You know, so there are, if you don't, There are things related to exercise, physical activity, going outside. You know, there are all these kinds of factors that are related to depression. And he was saying, most of us know that we have natural physical needs like food and water and air, you know, and shelter. And if we took these things away, you would know that you'd be in trouble and then he said this part, and I love listening to this kind of stuff. I do a lot of this kind of stuff. I read and I listen to a lot of these things. And this guy's not a Christian, you know, and I like looking at the secular view of things. Because I love when this right here, he's in the middle of his, of his lecture, and he says, we have these psychological needs. And here they are. He says, we need to feel that we belong We need to feel that our lives have meaning and purpose, and we need to feel that we've got a future that makes sense. We need deep connection. We need a sense of purpose. And he says, this culture is good at a lot of things, but we've been getting less and less good at meeting these deep underlying psychological needs. He says, why is that the case? And part of his diagnosis is one of these things that he calls junk values that exist in our society. Things like, you know, materialism and hedonism and in some ways relativism. The kind of things that are perpetuated by social media. And he says, isn't this obvious? So he's doing this study, right? And he's writing this book and he's talking to all these uh, sociologists, you know, psychologists. He's looking at the world. He's traveling looking at the, the ways that different cultures deal with this kind of depression. And he's like, isn't this a little obvious? Like philosophers have said for thousands of years, materialism is not going to make you happy. You know, hedonism is not going to make you happy. Just chasing after these things, having fun all the time, you know, the most fun that you can possibly have, or trying to have the most stuff. That's not going to be like, you can go back thousands of years and look at what philosophers have written. And they've always said that. Right? Even, even even Biggie knew what was going on, right? He's like, mo' money, mo' problems, you know? Like, everybody knows that that's not going to work. And yet, you know, Biggie kept rapping, right? And he kept cashing the checks. Like, that didn't change. And that was kind of Johan Hari's point. Like, but then if we know that, why do we keep doing it? Like, you know it, right? Like, you all know... Money's not going to solve all your problems. You know that getting your dream job or your dream house or whatever, your dream situation, finding the dream guy or girl is not going to solve all your problems. Just ask anybody who's married. They're going to tell you it didn't happen, right? It didn't work. All of a sudden, it wasn't happily ever after. You still got problems. And he's like, if we know that, then why do we keep doing it? And he talked to this one. Uh, professor who said, it's because we live in a machine that is designed to get us to neglect what is important about life. It's because we live in a machine that is designed to get us to neglect what is important about life. These are all secular people, by the way. And they all see it. They all see that something's wrong. In the culture, that what we are perpetually bombarded with, these ideas of what we need, of what's going to make us happy, that they don't work. See, we're beginning a series uh, today. It's going to be our first series of the year. It's called Created to Be. Because it is pivotal that we understand fundamentally who we have been created to be so that we can confidently step into that identity. This is is core to us not being chewed up by a machine that is designed to get us to neglect what is important in life. Getting to these fundamental questions of what where do you belong? Why were why are you here? How did you get here? How did we get here? Why are we here? What are we here to do? Today we're going to be talking about two things uh, primarily, and that is value and purpose. What is our value? Where does our value come from? And what is our purpose in this life? And so uh, if you guys have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open them up to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to look in verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It should be easy to find. Although sometimes Bibles have a, like a lot in the beginning, they have like long intros. <laughs> Genesis 1, verse 26, this is God's word This is the sixth day of creation. You know, Genesis 1 goes through, um, you know, all of creation, right? And if you read through Genesis 1, there is this kind of rhythm, right? God says, let there be light. There's light. God sees the light's good. God separates the light from the darkness. God calls the light day, calls the darkness night. There's evening, the morning, the first day. And it just goes on like that, right? God creates an expanse. You know, God creates... You know, vegetation, God creates uh, the sun and the moon, you know, God creates the birds and the and the um, sea creatures, you know, and it's kind of like he just says these things. God says, let there be, and then there is, and then he declares it good, and that's that day, and then you move on to the next day. Now, when we get here to the sixth day, and God is all, you know, he creates the animals, and here in verse 26, it says, then God said, let us make man in our image. So Instead of God just saying, let this be, like light, you know, sky, water, land, instead of just saying, let this be, he has a conversation. So there's this conversation in the Godhead, and it says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So now this is the first kind of introduction that we get of the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity, which is a kind of complex doctrine and we can, you know, we'd have to study a lot of passages to look at it. It's an entirety, but we see here, I'll just talk about it briefly, that there is a plurality in the Godhead. There's more than one person here talking. He's saying, let us. And we know it's not the angels. The angels are different, separate from God. And so God is talking within the Trinity and he's kind of having a conversation. So all of a sudden he's just like, hey, let's, you know, boom, like light, boom, it happens. You know, sky, water, you know, sea, it ha- you know, land, it happens. Vegetation, it happens. Sun and moon, it happens. Animals, it happens. And then right here, it stops. There's a break in the rhythm. And he's like, S- something significant is happening. Let's make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, heavens, livestock, all the earth. So, Basically, everything else that we've created to this point, this is going to be the pinnacle of creation. This is going to be the highest kind of moment. This is the most important kind of moment that's happening here in creation. And it says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now, let's read on and then we'll talk about what does he mean by the image of God. And so let's read on here And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Okay, so God gives mankind humanity dominion over all of the earth, says you are going to be the highest of all creation. You're going to rule over the earth. Go, you know, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. And at the end he says, it was very good. Right? So he says it's good, 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 good. Good, 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 good. (laughs) And then very good. And then, of course, on the seventh day, he rests. Now, what does it mean to be made in the image and likeness of God? A few things. Now, a couple things I'll say it doesn't. Well, so there's been a lot of debate about this. You know, this is called the Imago Dei, right, which is just Latin for image of God. And so I'm like, why why do that? Right? So it's just, it's the image of God, right? What is it, What does it refer to? Well, we know a couple things right off the bat. It refers to some immaterial part. of. It. It's not like our physical body, right? Because God doesn't have a physical body. So to be made in the image of God can't refer to our literal appearance. So it's something immaterial. Second, image and likeness are not two different things. So sometimes that's kind of asserted. People will be like, the image is one thing and the likeness is another thing. So there are a bunch of reasons why we, you know that's not the case. For one thing they're used interchangeably. So then image is just used and not likeness. They're not both included every time, right? And then if you look later in Genesis 5, it says, when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. So sometimes only image is used. Sometimes only likeness is used. So they don't mean different things. They're just two things referring to the same thing. Now, there have been all kinds of things speculated. The the three things I'm going to say that it means refer to just kind of what's in the text because that's what I want to draw from. So I will say these three things. One is dominion, or I'll call it leadership. Two is creative work. And three is relationships. Okay, so these things come from the image of God. Firstly, we are like God in leadership. Now, what I would say is that's both a role and an ability. So there's the role of dominion. Obviously, God says you have dominion over everything, right? But then man is is not... Just given like it 's not like God is just saying, Hey, you just do you 're just like everybody else, but you do this no it 's like obviously, if God gives humanity the role of dominion it's also he also equips humanity for the role of dominion because humans have different kind of mental reasonable faculties that animals don't have, right, so we have a mental and a volitional ability we can think in a certain we 're rational we are you know, self-aware, and also we can, we can make choices. This is a reflection of God's intellect and freedom. Secondly, we are like God in his creative work. Genesis 1 is all about God creating. Right now in Genesis 2, you, you can look there if you want, 2.15, it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And it's very interesting that Adam's job is agricultural because that's not just where you kind of do something, like do a task that doesn't produce anything. It's you're actually creating life in agriculture. That's, that's part of what agriculture is, right? You're creating new life. I'm obviously, God is doing it, but you are participating in this process, right? Obviously, the other thing that Adam and Eve were supposed to do was they're supposed to have kids, and like fill the earth so we're like god in that leadership role and ability we're like god in in creative work the ability to to do things and create things now animals don't have these qualities other animals i should i guess are we animals you know whatever uh (laughs) depends how you want to look at it scientifically but um you know no other animals have these qualities Right, like I'm not a big pet person. I've never been a big pet person, but I will say I've come around a little bit. I've said just mean things about pets before from the pulpit. Um, recently, my uh, recently, like we were babysitting for my my brother's kids, and they have three kids, and um, and a dog, <laughs> right? And so we had our we had our boys, and we were there with their three kids. So it's five kids, um, and a dog. You know, and um, it was like not as hard as I thought it would be. I thought it would be crazy. We like went to Chuck E. Cheese and stuff. I thought it would be like out of control. It actually turned out not to be that bad. You know, driving the minivan around, you know, and then the the dog was there. But it was funny, like afterwards, you know, Boomi and I talked about it. I'm like, what'd you think? She's like, you know, it wasn't that bad. Like, I feel like we could have another kid, you know? And then what I was thinking afterwards was like, yeah, you know what? It wasn't that bad. We should get a dog. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, "This dog is awesome, right?" I just get to. She's just like I get to play with her, and she, you know. So, look, dogs adorable, lovable as they are. Dogs don't don't like stay up at night thinking, right? Like, what am I doing with my life? You know, like no dog has ever done that. No dog will ever do that. Dogs don't like pray for their kids. You know, dogs don't. Your dog's not gonna have like a quarter life crisis and be like. God, get me a diamond collar. You know something, right? Like that's just not going to happen because animals don't do that. They don't think that way. They just like, you know, food or whatever. Or you know, if they're really advanced, if they're very trained, then they will scratch the door to go outside (laughs) to use the restroom. And that's about it. That's pretty. That's like how far you can go. The leadership role and ability, right, the ability to make decisions, to be good stewards. That is part of what is imprinted on us as humans that bear the image of God to create things, to make, like, every time somebody designs an app, you know, every time you, even when you, you know, you take a picture and you post it, like, these are parts of us. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no dog version of that, right? Like, there's no, they don't have that. That's part of what God has created in us. Now, finally, so there's that leadership, role and ability, creative work. The third thing is relationships. Socially, humanity was created for fellowship. Right? Both with God and with one another. If you look in Genesis 3 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Right? And so and it implies that there was this intimate fellowship between. Adam and Eve and God, right? They had this close fellowship. Also, Adam and Eve, obviously, Eve was even created because God looked at Adam and said it's not good for the man to be alone. Again, animals don't have this. They don't have this. They have some, you know, social ability, but they don't have this level that humanity does. You know, when a lion attacks a a hyena, they don't suffer ptsd right like afterwards they don't go through any kind of thing simba doesn't need any kind of counseling right he just goes back to the savannah he's just like cool you know like ripped up that lion i mean we got ripped up that hyena We're gonna go eat it that's it there's no funeral nothing happens right It's just like that's the law of the jungle that's how it exists i'm sorry to say everything disney and pixar have taught you about animals is wrong sorry sorry to rip that bandaid off but you know it's gonna happen eventually what does that mean? Okay, what does that mean for our value? Right, because in contrast to that, no, no animal in the Bible has ever mourned, even though one ever one talks, right? Like Balaam, Balaam's donkey. I mean, you know. But on the other hand, Genesis nine six says, "Whoever sheds the blood of man." By man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Right, So he says, uh, in contrast, that the the death of a human being or the, the shed blood of a human means something because we are made in the image of God. Then God values humanity over all creation because of the image of God that has been imprinted on humanity So every person has value and worth because we've been created, because every person has been created in the image of God. Our world, okay, our world has a distorted view of this, and I feel like it's increasingly distorted because... The value of people is is purely is becoming, I, I should say, more and more transactional, right? Like our society trains us to think that way, trains us to think in this very utilitarian way. Like you are as valuable as what you produce, what you do in the world. That's our that's our that's our economy, also, right? By the way, that's what a market economy. Does It says, if you can do something that people want, then you're valuable. You know, your product is valuable, you make more money. So as much as people want whatever you can do, whether that is like producing some kind of art or providing some kind of service, that's how valuable you are. And we tend, like we can't help but kind of buy into that, like think that way. How much we know, how hard we work, how well we speak, how good we look, how we sell, buy, trade, count, code, help, act, create, sing, etc. These are the things that determine our value. If you can do those things well, you are more valuable. If you can't do those things well, one of those things well, then you're not as valuable. That's kind of how we think. It's how we're trained to think. But that's not the way God. That's not how God wants us to think that's not how God has created us to be the truth is your value was imprinted on you long before you were ever told anything by anyone by a girl or a boy or a friend or a teacher or a parent your value was imprinted on you was you were created with it you know it's crazy like God doesn't create everything right and then look at all of creation and then say, out of everything I created, Adam and Eve, you're the best. So I'm going I'm to elevate you. You're going to be in charge. That's not, that's not what happens. God creates everything and then thinks about it and then says, I'm going to create. Like, he, do you know what I'm saying? Like, he didn't deem Adam and Eve worthy. He created them worthy. He didn't he didn't determine he didn't say like, oh, he didn't look at them and then be like, oh wow, you guys are better at this than everybody else. So I'm gonna make you the highest. No, before he created them, he said, I'm going to create now something in my image, someone in my likeness. And then he created them. They were created with the value. How does a proper view of the image of God help to restore what we think about the value of people? Two things. Okay, one. It helps to understand that God created you valuable with value to him and to grasp the weight of that. That is really core the things we're talking about are really core to us, like, flourishing in life. Because, like, without this, you can do tons of other stuff, right? Even stuff like, you know, spiritual disciplines, like, like, stepping into all these things. If you don't really understand this, though, then you will be kind of, like, frustrated. Because things are going to be directed in the wrong way. Or Do you know, right now... You have value to God. Like, you are valuable to God. He created you with that. That has been imprinted on you. Now, we're gonna, we're, we'll are we talk about this more as the series goes on, you know, what that means and, and how we grasp that. But that's, that's one fundamental thing that we have to understand. Two, here's another thing, okay, that the amago Dei, like the image of God, being the source of value and being the source of value of people does for us to understand that every person in the world has value. See, because there's one thing—it's one thing. Like you look in the mirror and you don't think that, like you don't know where that value comes from. And this is like something existential that we all struggle with, right? Like, am I valuable? You know, And then you go out into the world and you look on social media and you look at your friends or you look at other people and we do this comparison game. We do this all the time. It's hard to stop doing this. We think about what job so-and-so is doing, what their relationship is like, what their family is like, what they're driving, where they're living, you know, so on and so forth. It can go on forever. And oftentimes when that view, when we don't have this view that God values us, And when we don't understand what an amazing thought that is, that the creator of everything knows you personally, created you in his image, and he values you. Like, when you don't grasp that, what happens is you're forced to be in the world and to determine the value of people. Like, Essentially, to judge people, right? But it's on a personal scale, and we all have different scales. But to kind of rank people, like, oh, this person's really interesting or funny, you know, or we get along, and so this is this is kind of a better person, you know. And then there's other people who's like, oh, well, this person's kind of, eh. You know, or this other person's like, I don't, they seem like they made some bad choices. Like we do this with our friends. We do this with our family. We do this with strangers because we are so bought into this utilitarian value system. Like people who do important things or people who are achieving big things are really valuable and then other people maybe not so much. And we're just, this, this is kind of the the nature of how we are. Understanding the image of God imprinted on every person makes us treat people generally with humility and humanity and respect. Something, those are things that are kind of lacking in, in the culture today. I mean, listening to people and believing that they have something of value to contribute to your life and to the broader community. That's hard, honestly. Honestly, for a lot of us because let's just be let's just be frank okay we have a pretty high view of ourselves right we tend to think highly of ourselves we tend to think we're a little bit smarter than the people next to us you know we're a little bit like we're a little bit funner you know we're a little bit more social like we we know what's going on right a little bit more not a lot more because that would be arrogant we're not arrogant you know just a little bit more just a little bit more than some other people Right? That's nothing personal. Right? It's just, it's just facts. Right? That's just the way it is. And so that's kind of how we tend to live. But, you know, what we tend to do is to think, you have nothing of value to offer me. And so I'm not really interested to hear what you want to talk about or to know what's going on in your life or to, like, I don't know, meet up with you or to even have a conversation with you. Like, this kind of, you know, I'll just, for example, like maybe like homeless neighbors, this is the kind of thing that we do sometimes. Like, oh, it's I don't, I'm not really interested in hearing what you've done with your life because, let's face it, it, didn't turn out well. We do it to each other sometimes. Understanding that every person has value. I remember I was in uh, Brazil you know, on a mission strip. And uh, we were doing ministry to, so we had a bunch of different ministries. We would, like, go to the flavellas, and we would go to, like, where kind of poor people were. And we would do, like, VBS, and you know, ministry, right? So all the kids would come, and then we'd do these, like, skits and stuff, and we'd do songs. And, you know, like, for me, that's, that. you know, I, I enjoy that ministry. Going overseas, it gives you kind of this structured context where you get to go and you know that's more like that that's kind of a uh i don't know a context where i'm more comfortable and so you know i'll say whatever you know we'll do whatever there'll be some kind of sermon or something and it's like fun right a part of our ministry the the last few days was ministry with like autistic kids and kind of where we where we were staying with these missionaries and um and they were, like, severely autistic, so they couldn't really talk. Uh, but we would do this, like, worship ministry, you know, uh, body worship ministry. And so we would, like, do that with them. We would just kind of spend time with them. And um, I remember, like, you know, so, so we were all, we're all kind of, you know, we're doing it. We were, like, messing around kind of, right? And because part of us, we are like, uh, you know, like, these kids don't really know what's going on. Right, so we're just kind of messing around, and we're doing this ministry, but we're messing around. Some people are stepping out and just kind of talking outside, and we're doing these, you know, we're just like, you know, like making, you know, doing jokes and stuff like that. Now, I was one of the leaders on this team, I'm sad to say, (laughs) you know, but I was still kind of doing the same thing. And one of the guys on the team, he's like, rebukes us. He's like, dude, like, like, this is, this is bad. Like, what are we doing? You know, like, we're here to serve God, and we're just kind of like messing around right now. And I remember I felt so, like, terrible, right? I was like, oh, this is so bad. You know, I I feel terrible. And I go in there, we go back in there, you know, and we're all kind of more, we're more focused, right? We're more locked in. And I remember thinking, like, actually, that was one of the most interesting, like, valuable uh, ministries that I could have done, especially at that time in my life, because I hadn't really done a lot of stuff like that before. And there is something powerful and they would do like they would do it. Like they would be worshiping God. I remember this one kid, there's like this big kid and he would be he would just be like shouting out praise. And I don't even fully I don't know how much he understood. I don't know what's going on exactly, but there is something amazing about that notion and that idea. And in some ways I also feel like it was a gift to us. Like that we could experience that value. And that really, honestly, from that point on, in that context, like my, my understanding of that really changed. That's, that, that, that's what the understanding of the image of God does for us. Uh, because it's not just the fact that if we don't get that every person has value, we kind of treat each other like jerks. It's that we are missing out on the way God has structured our relationships to work. No person is a commodity to be traded. No relationship should be built purely on transaction and what we can gain from it. Right? Like, what can I get out of this? But every person has value and worth because God made each of us like him. Our value comes from the fact that we are created in the image of God. Every single person's value, whether you're a Christian or not, comes from that. Now, secondly, our meaning and purpose is to bear the image of God in our lives. That is our core Meaning and pur- that is what we were created to be and to do, an, to be an image bearer of God, to bear the image of God. Our purpose is to glorify God. Now, the world has only two ways of dealing with purpose. Okay, really, like if you get down to the core of it, only two ways that make sense. One is nihilism. Which is basically the idea that there's no meaning. You know, everything's meaningless. Kind of like, <laughs> kind of like Ecclesiastes, except not the ending, just the just the meaningless part, right? And then just, and then just ending, <laughs> like there. It's pretty bleak, right? Which is why a lot of nihilists end up like killing themselves because there's nothing to live for. And then there's relativism, which is the idea is there's no real meaning. But you can create some kind of meaning for your own life. So you got to go discover it, right? Self-actualize. Find something in the world that creates meaning for you. Those are kind of the only two things that the world really has to offer. And I feel like we're going more and more into it. Like, I feel it. And I, you know, sometimes I think like, well, maybe I just feel it. Maybe I'm just getting old. <laughs> you know, and I'm starting to think like, these kids, they don't know what they're doing, right? Like, uh, these millennials, you know, whatever, even though I'm millennial technically. So, you know, whatever, Gen Z, whatever's going on. Like, sometimes am I just like, you know, get, old man, get off my lawn kind of thing? Well, I think it's, I, like, I get really crazy sometimes because there is something toxic in our culture. Like, it's real. Let me give you some, I'll give you some evidence, okay? Did you guys know that suicide and drug overdose have overtaken car accidents as cause of death? Like, car accidents for the longest time were, like, the number one cause of injury death, right? So not, like, terminal illness or something, not, like, heart disease or cancer. So in 2017, this is the most recent data we have. There were 37,133 car fatalities, there were 47,000-plus suicides. There were more than 70,000 drug overdoses. In one year, in one year, 120,000 people almost died from just suicide and drug overdose in America. Do you know how crazy that is? For reference... Less than 60,000 US soldiers died in Vietnam. A war that lasted 20 years. A war that lasted 20 years. In one year, more people in America, in supposedly the greatest country in the world, died just from suicide and drug overdose. That's nuts. Like, if you don't think that's crazy, if you don't think that's some crazy evidence that our culture is completely screwed up right now, then, then you need a wake-up call. I feel it. right? I know that this is real. You know, the world was different when I was young. When I was young, for one thing... I never went on vacation, right? From the ages of zero to 17, I I didn't once leave the county that I lived in. Maybe, maybe like, a couple times to, like, visit relatives. That's the only, like, I had a, somebody in Bakersfield, you know, so we go there. And there's someone in, like, L.A., like, you know, so we go to, like, whatever, my aunt's house. Like, that's it. That's literally the only time that I ever, and I never left the state for 18 years. And you know what's crazy? I didn't care. I never once thought growing, maybe once or twice, I thought, like, oh, it would be, nice be nice if I could go somewhere. Right? Like, ah, oh, that would be cool. I probably thought that literally twice. But I was happy. I was happy to just, like, ride my bike, which was handed down through three families till it before it got to me. One time it was on a lawn at a, at a yard sale, the bike that I rode, and there was a bunch of stuff, like little knickknacks, And there was a big sign that said $1, and people thought my bike was also being sold for $1. That's how messed up my bike was. It went through three families. Two other families used the bike before I used the bike, and then my sister used the bike, and then my brother used the bike, and then I used the bike. And pretty much all I did in the summer was I rode that bike around the block to the liquor store, and I played Street Fighter. (laughs) That's it. That was my vacation. That's what I used to do on vacation. Once a year, my family would go to Disneyland. On Christmas, my family would watch a movie. That's literally all we ever did. And I didn't care. And my parents didn't care. I never even got a present until I was like 20 or something. And I didn't care. I still don't care. I'm not like resentful to my parents. Like, you guys never bought me any. You know, it's like, I don't care. I didn't care then. But you know what? I could never get away with that today because of social media. Like, if if Boomi has a day off, we better go somewhere. Like, we must go somewhere. We must do something. Because that's the world we live in now. Biblical literacy, down. Missionary support, down. Missionaries being sent, down. People's understanding of the Bible, down. Church attendance, way down. And yet, I feel like I'm going crazy because people just don't think that those are related. That the fact that we all feel screwed up, that we feel lonely, depressed, anxious, that we feel like we don't have purpose in the world, and we're searching for it everywhere, constantly, non-stop, that we feel like we gotta be doing something every second, every day, literally, do you really need to be out every day? Like you need to be hanging out every day to feel like your, like, like your life is meaningful? That's a symptom that something's wrong! Don't you understand? And if we keep doing the same thing, we will just end up depressed, addicted, suicidal, feeling alone, feeling like, what are we doing in the world? (laughs) This right now, what's coming out of me right now is fear. This is not like I didn't rehearse this, right? Like I didn't practice this. It's because I'm seriously scared for the church in this country. Like, I feel like people are completely losing Jesus and they just think nothing's wrong. Don't, we're starting a new year, right? 2020? Don't let the nagging feeling eat away at you. Where's my value? What's my purpose? Don't keep searching for that out there. It's not out there. Like, did God create you to do something specific in the world? Yes, of course he did. Has he given you gifts and talents? Has he given you insight, personality? Of course he has. Of course. But to think, to pursue that without first foundationally understanding that it must be about bearing his image, about reflecting his glory, will most certainly lead you to disaster, to crippling depression, to oppressive addiction, to perpetual frivolity. Here's why work, no matter what you do, matters if you understand the image of God. Okay. And this doesn't it doesn't matter what your job is or whether you have a job or not. Right? Work, period, service, helping people. Because it's worthwhile to contribute to society whatever it is you contribute, whether that's professional expertise or medical care or teaching or business or some product or some service or whether that's cooking or cleaning or, you know, setting up chairs or bringing food to somebody or just saying something nice to someone, the value of that work is not simply determined by what the market is willing to pay for it. It's valuable because every person is valuable. And if you invest in people That's valuable to God. It's true that our worth, our view of worth and value have been distorted by sin. Now, what we looked at was pre-fall. Of course, the fall happens in Genesis 3, and that's why we have this messed up view. And that our view of meaning and purpose have been distorted by sin. But the good news is that there is restoration in Jesus. You know, Hebrews 1 talks about in these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That Jesus. See, we bear the image of God. But that Jesus who came, he has the exact imprint of the nature of God. He came to do what we failed to. Right? Because we misunderstood. Sin tainted our understanding of our value and worth. And sin tainted our understanding of our, our mission, our purpose. And Jesus came to restore those things, to show. To live righteously where we couldn't. To fulfill his mission when we couldn't. And when we put our faith in him, he restores our understanding of value and purpose. Let me, um, I'm going to say a, a few things real quick, okay, before we close. I want to give you just a little bit of application. Now, you know, I love, I love John Piper's core statement, right, which is God is most glorified when you are most satisfied in him. Let me say, because that is, that is, I would say, part of the core understanding of what it means to be an image bearer of God. It is to enjoy God, the glory of God, as much as you possibly can. To do that. Let me say, okay, a f- few things for 2020. We're entering a new year. One, put yourself in a position to enjoy God through his word. Okay, and I know we've already talked about it. We've been talking about it. Read the word, you know. And like we have whatever, graphics and apps and there's a paper. The core thing is you making a decision. That's, That's the core thing. The core thing is you saying, right? Just like when you got a job and then you started waking up every day and going to your job. Like the core thing, that's the core thing, just you saying, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to actually do this. Right? I will be held accountable. I will pay 20 bucks, right? If and if you've had trouble reading the word, like I'd say, please pay the $20. Cuz it was on sale from $30, $20. God is making it easier. For you, direct your disciplinary efforts toward Christ. Set an alarm in the morning. Use your reading plan. Second thing, put yourself in a position to depend on God in prayer. Like, pray. And for, like, really, I don't even want to say a bunch of stuff. Just do it. Just just, just spend some time doing it. Whatever's on your heart. Right Right after this, we're going to have responsive worship, right? Like, for, Like, pray for real. Like, really. Because I know what you want to do is, like, as soon as we do the closing prayer, it's like, you just want to forget all this stuff that we talked about. That's what we want to do. That's like Satan's thing, right? He wants to go in there and snatch away that seed that's planted so it never bears fruit, so it never gets rooted deep. As soon as you can, right? You're going to run to the bathroom or you're going to like, you know, you're going to think about what you're going to order at Tapak, at you know. <laughs> and like that's what, that's what we want to do, right? Like that's just, we just want to get on with our lives, right? You want to, as soon as you get out there, you want to talk about fantasy basketball or the Lakers or whatever because we don't like this. This is uncomfortable. Like really thinking about your life seriously Especially guys, we're we're like, we can only handle so much of this, right? Just why we really need life group. But like, just, just, just pray. Like, spend, and just be like, God, please, please, like, help me, be with me. Third thing, okay, last thing. Put yourself in a position to share your enjoyment of God. And this relates to what I just said, right? Because so much of the time, we don't want to talk about our spiritual life. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because we feel uncomfortable. Maybe it's because we feel like we don't want to be preachy, you know, or we don't want to say too much of this or too much of that. Talk about what God is revealing to you or teaching you. I, I guarantee you. It will be, like, here's the thing about discipleship. You have to get deeper and deeper into Christ to continue being a disciple. Like, you can't just stay at, at, at a level, right? Not that there are levels or anything like that. Don't get it twisted, you know, but I'm just, like, you have to keep doing that because that's what a relationship with God is. It is, it is infinitely growing in his glory, like, like getting deeper and deeper into it. That's where enjoyment comes from. Because you're like, oh my gosh, like God is so much greater than I even thought he was. And every year and every month and every day, that's what your life is. You know, not like, exa- you know, not every single day, you're not going to have that, like, epiphany. But over time, that's how it's going to be. And whenever we feel like, eh, you know, I'm just going to chill. Like, I, I read a lot last month. I'm going to chill, you know, this month. I'm good. Like, you're not neutral, right? You're, you're moving backwards, That's that's the way that it is. And and that joy escapes us, and that's not what God He wants you to deepen consistently in Him and have that continued increasing joy and you know, not always like comfort and power and rest in Him. Let's really, you know, resolve to do that this year. Let's pray together. God, we. I don't know what to say, God, because to think about a moment at the beginning of time when you just decided to imprint your image on us, God, value purpose this and not just one that's made up and not just one that we we fabricate, God. One that exists for eternity. Because you called it into existence. That's that's crazy, God. And I confess a lot of times I'm just not that interested in that. A lot of times I'm more interested in something on TV or something on my computer, God. I'm more interested in hanging out or playing ball, God. I'm I'm more interested in just other things than grasping. I mean, than than, than just dwelling in your glory, God, than, than being in awe of you. I ask your forgiveness for that, God. We ask not just for your forgiveness, but that you would reveal to us how much greater you are, God. Would you lovingly reveal to us how ignorant we are, God of your glory. We resolve to follow you in 2020, God. We resolve to be a people that is committed to knowing you and making you known would you help us not only only you can help us god only you can do that in us and so we entrust ourselves our lives our church our families god our relationships our view of ourselves and one another we entrust all of that to you god please lead us we thank you in advance we love you and Jesus' them we pray